Praise God for his disciples. Praise God for his disciples. Dion Gordon was a man who spent most of his life directly opposing God's word and will for him. But late in his life, he had a stroke. And he had brain issues that should have killed him. And after that, he dedicated his life to serving God and making disciples. He wasn't even a member at my church, but he said that the Holy Spirit spoke to him as he drove by and said, I want you to go to this church and make disciples. So he asked our pastor if he could lead a session on abiding in Christ. And our pastor allowed him to lead me and six other deacons who had just been appointed through this session. And week in and week out, he taught us, he challenged us, and he flat out loved on us. He, he was living with disability because he had had a stroke, and many times he barely had gas, but he would donate blood, he would donate plasma, he would do whatever he had to do to drive across town and make disciples of these deacons. God put him in my life at a time when I was struggling. I was under spiritual attack. And through this study and abiding in Christ, I was lifted from that. And now more than five years later, I get to preach God's word. Amen. Praise God for his disciples. Give an honor to God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to thank Pastor Alex Ford and his family for the invitation to be here today. Praise God for him and all that he's doing here at Brigham City Bible Church. Amen. I want to thank the elders and the congregation and the, the singers who prepare week in and week out to lead praise and worship. Thank you guys so much for lifting my spirit today. I've thoroughly enjoyed the service. Thank you for the donuts. They were delicious. <laughs> um, all of these things are important parts of fellowship, and I just rejoice in God to be here today with you all. I want to thank God for a God-fearing wife and my two children who are growing in their faith. What a blessing it is to have a family and to be able to steward God's gifts to me. There's so many people I want to thank for this. Um, my pastor, who I grew up in his church, and so many things that I just, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to preach God's gospel. It is a treasure. With that said, I ask that you would open up in your Bibles with me to John chapter 21. It's on the, in the Pew Bibles, I believe it's page 1154. We're going to read the first 19 verses. If you don't mind standing for the reading of God's word, and then I will pray and I will uh, ask you to be seated. And it reads, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. 
Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard this, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although they were so, there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love to you. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Word of God, speak. Would you pour down like rain? Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for John chapter 21. And as we read and study this scripture, God, may it, we not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. May your word produce life in this congregation. May you give us the bread of life to endure for another week as we go on this journey as Christians. If there's anyone who has not fully accepted Christ, Lord, may you have mercy and allow them to believe in your name. Thank you, God, for the gathering of your people. May we glorify your name today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. 
I didn't know this, but the post credit scene was first used in movies in 1966. This is the scene that shows after the movie is over, and either after the credits have shown or in the middle of the credits, they will add a scene with some extra information. It's very common now in the superhero movies, if you've, if you've been watching those. I believe that John 21 is like that post-credit scene. It's the post-credit scene of the Gospels. John has already included the book or his letter in John chapter 20. Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already risen again in triumphant victory over death. He's come back and he's spoken to doubting Thomas and showed him the holes in his hand and allowed him to touch the holes in his side. And he's given the disciples the command to go and spread the gospel throughout the whole world and the promise of the Holy Spirit. John even writes a conclusion in John chapter 20. If you don't mind, if you still have your Bibles, just flip with me quickly to John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. It reads, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Sounds like a pretty good conclusion, right? So why keep writing? John keeps writing because he knows that the journey as a Christian doesn't stop when you first believe in Christ and have salvation. He keeps writing because life keeps going. The Bible keeps going because life keeps going as a Christian. That's why I've titled this sermon, Jesus is Alive. I believe that Jesus is alive. What now? We might mistakenly believe that the life of a Christian is just made up of confessing your faith and then doing a bunch of rituals after that. But the Bible does not teach that. And John does not teach us that. With all that said, I've already asked the question, Jesus is alive, now what? And I don't want to bury the answer. I want to give you the answer to the question up front. The answer is, Jesus is alive, so do life with Jesus. Do life with Jesus. But doing, sorry, but doing life with Jesus involves a life that's led by Jesus. And chapter 21 highlights three things that I want to point to. One, Jesus is alive. Be reminded by him of who he is. Two, Jesus is alive. Be renewed by him. And finally, Jesus is alive. Be redeemed through him. So as you look at this first point, Jesus is alive. Be reminded by him of who he is. John points out how the resurrected Jesus gets the disciples' attentions and reminds them of who he is. Not who he was, who he is. I want us to look closer at how Jesus reminds them of who he is after a long, unproductive night and how he is still showing his power in their life. 
Notice that verse 3 says, that night they caught nothing. Many times in the, in the Bible, the night can represent darkness, difficulty, or confusion. More important, the night prepares us for the light that comes in the morning. It was night when Nicodemus came to Jesus in John chapter 3, and he was enlightened that he had to be born again. It was night when Judas left the Lord's Supper to complete his betrayal of Jesus in John chapter 13, a betrayal that eventually brought light to the world. We are told in John chapter 20 that Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark or just as the night had ended to find that the light of the world had risen. These disciples had a long night both literally and figuratively. After three years of walking with Jesus daily, they no longer get to see Jesus every day. And in John chapter 21, they've gone fishing all night, and still they have nothing to eat. But then Jesus shows up. Things change quickly when Jesus shows up. They hear a command from Jesus, they obey, and suddenly the nets are overflowing. That leads us to verse 7. To this point, the disciples have heard Jesus' voice, and they might be able to see him a little bit, but they don't recognize him. But verse 7 tells us, That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said it is the Lord. The word therefore puts emphasis on the recognition that comes after the miracle. After the miracle of all of the fish in the net, that's when they're able to recognize Jesus. That's how Jesus reminds them of who he is. I believe that John expects the audience to know the other story of Jesus performing a similar miracle that's recorded in Luke chapter 5, before his death and resurrection. This miracle in John 21, after the resurrection, is intended to jar the memory of the disciples, and it does. After the miracle, John immediately knows that it's Jesus and tells Peter. And Peter doesn't even wait for the boat to get back to shore. He jumps in and swims. He's so excited to see Jesus after the long night. What an amazing story. But what about you? Have you ever had a long night? Have you ever had an unproductive season? It feels like you're working so hard for your church, but you have nothing to show for it. Or maybe you've been working hard at home, and it seems like nothing is changing. Maybe you feel like COVID-19 is a long night. Whether you've lost somebody, or you've had COVID yourself, or you're just tired of masks and being distanced from everybody. It's been a long season. And in this life, we will have some long nights. But if we let Jesus remind us that he's alive and we recognize him when we hear his voice and we obey his voice, he will show us that there is joy in the morning. And and, and a matter of fact, Jesus is still doing miracles. It's tempting for us to read these stories in the Bible or to hear about stories and think of them as 
They're just stories, things that happened. But for believers, Jesus invites you to experience him for yourself. Every believer, it may be hard to believe, but everybody who puts their faith in Christ can pray to God in the name of Jesus and experience miracles for yourself. It doesn't matter if it's something small like, I've got a headache. Or maybe you just need some peace in the middle of a hard day. Jesus invites you to pray in his name and let him remind you of who he is. I can remember a few years ago when my cousin had heart surgery. He wasn't waking up. His wife had a couple long nights. The doctor said that he might never walk again, even if he did wake up. The family gathered around him and we prayed. And during the prayer, tears began to flow down his cheek. A previously unconscious man began to cry as we called on the name of Jesus. Within an hour of that prayer, he was sitting up in the hospital bed. Within a day, he was walking. Within a week, he was at home living his life without imitations. How many know that Jesus is still doing miracles? And just for us to believe in Jesus is a miracle. Day by day, for you to maintain your faith is a miracle. In this story, the disciples go from a fruitless night to overflowing fruit. I heard it read earlier. In John chapter 15, Jesus promises that if you abide in him, you will bear fruit. He promises that if you abide in him, you will have powerful prayers. Best of all, he promises that if you abide in him, he and the Father will come and make their home in you. They will take up residence in you. That's what happens when you allow Christ to remind you of who he is. So get in his presence and stay in his presence. When you're in his presence, he will remind you of who he is. But not only that, he'll refresh you. Let him refresh you. John spends time in the text explaining the meal that, the, that Jesus has with the disciples. Verse 9 tells us that Jesus already had some fish cooking when the disciples got to shore. They were hungry, and Jesus knew it, so he prepared a feast for them. So often in our life, we feel like we need to take a break from Jesus just to relax. Jesus says, no, there is no greater relaxing than relaxing with me. There's no greater refreshment than refreshment with me. It, we need vacation. It's important for us to take time off. But take Jesus on vacation with you. I heard from last week's sermon that there's families that are out on vacation. There's some families still out on vacation now. I hope if you're back that you took Jesus on vacation with you. Listen, sometimes you come home after a long day of work, or it's just been a day, and you want to have a glass of wine, or maybe you want to have a beer. Have a glass of wine with Jesus. <laughs> have a beer with Jesus. He knows that you need to relax. 
You don't have to feel guilty about resting or relaxing or about being refreshed. Of course, life's not all about relaxing. There's some folks on the other side of the spectrum who all they want to do is play. <laughs> and, and, and in the text, this period of refreshing is preparing the disciples for a lifetime of ministry. So there's work to be done, of course. But don't make the mistake of thinking you need Jesus for the work, but you don't need him for the refreshing. It might just be that it's during the refreshing when Jesus talks to you most and lets you see the beauty of your work. He lets you see the fruits of your labor. Let's, let's look at the text. Look at verse 11. It tells us more about the fish that the disciples caught. It doesn't say there's just fish, but there's large fish. John gives us the number, 153 fish. And some have said this 153 draws us back to the Hebrew word in eaglem. And every Hebrew word has a matching number. And this word particularly is found in Ezekiel 47, verse 9 and 10. I'll let you read it in your own time. But in summary, Ezekiel 47 tells us that there is a river that flows from the temple. And in this river, there's all kinds of fish. So much that when the fishermen drop their nets, their nets are always full. Does that sound relevant to this passage? And then if we combine that with what Revelation tells us, that Jesus is the temple. And from Jesus flows waters of living, flows living waters. That's the point. Life flows from Jesus. Abundant and refreshing life. This is the living Savior who's inviting you to be refreshed by him. He has an infinite supply of resources. And all you need to do is recognize his voice and come and dwell in him. Would you allow yourself to do that? I know, I know. Some of us struggle to just sit down somewhere. Feels like there's always too much to do. We have to keep ourselves busy. And if we don't, it feels like we're sinning. <laughs> but Jesus says, you don't know what you're missing if you don't allow yourself to be refreshed by me. You could be burnt out. You could be tired, grumpy. You're critical of the people at church. You're critical of the people at home. You're critical of the people at work. It's because you need to be refreshed. Different things work for different people. For me, I find many times when I'm running on a treadmill, God will just overwhelm me about what he has done in my life or is doing in my life. And I will be crying and running, crying and running as God refreshes me. Some folks, it might be in the morning during your coffee time or late at night as you get ready for bed. And then we have the ordinary means of grace. We have church and worship and the Lord's Supper. There might be a particular worship song. You're in the pews in God's presence, and that song is played, and suddenly it rushes over you. That's the refreshing of God. You may not even recognize it, but allow him. Dwell in that moment when God gives you that refreshing, that ability to continue in this life. 
He's calling you to be refreshed by your living Savior. So because Jesus is alive, he will remind you of who he is. Let him remind you. Because Jesus is alive, you can be refreshed by him. But not only that, because Jesus is alive, you should be redeemed by him. Look at verse 19. I'm going to read it again. Chapter 21, verse 19 reads, This is this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. That's a reason to shout. There ought to be four or five, oh, sorry. There ought to be four or five amens in here. Feel free to say amen. Feel free to say hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 19 is a shouting verse. Y'all looking at me crazy a little bit, so let me make my thinking visible. The reason I'm so excited about verse 19 is because I know what Peter has been through in the Gospel of John. We don't have time to cover the whole Gospel, but let me just recall some highlights of Jesus from the Gospel of John. When Jesus fed... Of Peter, I'm sorry, from the Gospel of John. When Jesus fed 5,000 people in John chapter 6, only to have those same 5,000 people walk away from him when he starts preaching a message that they don't like, it's Peter who stands and proclaims, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. It was Peter in John chapter 18 who pulled out his sword and sliced off the soldier's ear when they came to take Jesus. It's Peter who runs to the tomb when Mary comes to tell the disciples that Jesus' body is gone. And it's Jesus when he gets there, he, I mean, it's Peter when he gets there, he dives in to the tomb to see where his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. And earlier, we just read it in John 21. Peter jumps off the boat to swim to shore. Peter is devoted. He's committed. But apparently, Peter wasn't ready to be a true disciple, to follow Christ the way that Christ demanded to be followed. The last passage I'll reference, and I want to read one more. If we'll turn together to John 13, verse 36. I want you to see from John chapter 13, a couple pages back from where we were. See what happened to Peter. In verse 36 of chapter 13, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered to him, where I am going, you cannot follow me. Now, but you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. 
Notice that Peter wants to follow Jesus to death. That's all he wants. He begs Jesus, I want to be a true disciple. I hear you saying, take up your cross and follow me. I want to do that. But in in chapter 13, Jesus says, you can't follow me now. Not only that, but you're going to do the opposite. You're going to deny me three times. And it happens. In John chapter 18, Peter denies Jesus three times. All of the Gospels recount Peter's denial of Jesus. So let's look at John 21 again. What we see from verse 15 to 19, look at how beautiful this is as we read what Jesus has done for him. It's almost like he's rewinding the story of Peter's denial in John chapter thir- starting in chapter 13. And, and the denial actually happens in chapter 18. So first, if we look at verse 15 of chapter 21 and on, Jesus undoes the denial. He allows Peter to confess his love for him three times. It's sort of a penance. Peter doesn't even know he needs it, but Jesus provides redemption. Jesus redeems him by allowing him to confess his love for him three times. And then after that, it it doesn't stop just after that. Look at what happens in verse 18. In verse 18, he gives a new prophecy. The old prophecy was, you're going to deny me three times. The new prophecy in John chapter 13 prophecy he says Peter you're going to die you're going to die stretched out this represents the cross that Peter would die on hanging upside down just like Jesus and then finally after as he rewinds he gets to what Peter wanted in the first place the the last verses I mean the last words of verse 19 are probably the two sweetest words that Peter Has ever heard, Jesus says, follow me. In chapter 13, he says, you cannot follow me. Here in chapter 21, he redeems Peter and says, follow me. You ought to be excited about Peter becoming a real disciple. (laughs) Many of us have seen Pinocchio. It's a story of a wooden toy who has many adventures, but all he really wants is to be a real boy. If you've seen the movie, when he becomes a real boy, you want to clap a little bit. Some of y'all might have cried, stood up, standing ovation. That's a fairy tale. But here we have a real story about Peter becoming a real disciple of Jesus Christ. He's been through many adventures. He's been given the power to heal people. He's cast out demons, but all he wants is to be a real disciple. He, wasn't, he was ready to fight and die. He was ready to fight. But that's not what Jesus wanted. To follow Jesus requires sacrifice. It takes being a true shepherd. It's messy. It takes being submissive. But most of all, it takes Jesus. The biggest difference between Peter in chapter 13 and Peter in chapter 21 is not about Peter. It's Jesus. Jesus makes Peter ready. It's Jesus who has redeemed him. 
That's great for Peter, but what about you? Do you ever worry that you don't really have what it takes to be a disciple? Maybe you don't even know if you believe yet. You kind of freak out at the thought of taking up your cross and following Jesus to death. Or you feel selfish because you don't really want to give everything you have. Or maybe you have some terrible sins in your past that make you believe you're not worthy of following this Jesus. You're not worthy of his forgiveness. There's many of us who really do love Jesus. We would be happy to go down fighting just like Peter. But we struggle with the idea of living a sacrificial life. And we carry that guilt around. We read the Bible and it convicts us and we carry that guilt with us. It can make us very judgmental of other people. We can be unable to enjoy church, unable to enjoy work, unable to enjoy our family because we're carrying this guilt around. I've got good news for you. Jesus knows. He didn't die for the better version of you. He knows all of your flaws and he still died and rose for you. And he has a promise for you and me. If you do life with him, if you spend more and more time with him, it's a journey. He will make you ready for everything that he wants you to do. Keep praying. Keep asking. Keep trusting. Cry out to him. I want to be a real disciple. I want to take up my cross and follow you. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And trust him to keep his promise. Don't worry about the past. Let Christ redeem you. If you will do life with Christ every moment that you can, he will remind you of who he is. Even after the long nights, he will refresh you and he will redeem you and make you all that he plans for you to be. But that's not it. The good news I said in the beginning that John 21 is the post-credit scene. The good news is it's highlighting the sequel. There's a sequel. <laughs> Revelations gives us a little bit about it. And I don't know whether you're amillennial or millennial or postmillennial, whatever you might believe about the coming, Jesus is coming back. Amen. He's living and he's coming back. And John 21 has given us a preview of what it's like to be with him. But... When he comes back, we will get the full thing. On earth, we must be reminded of who Christ is. But in heaven, we don't need a reminder because we will see him as he is. On earth, we see dimly as if in a mirror. But in heaven, in that day, we will see clearly. We will join with the angels and all the saints in heaven singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. On earth, we have a taste of Christ's refreshing. But one day we will taste the fullness of all that Christ is. He said he would be water that we would never thirst again. He said, I am the bread of life. And we will never hunger again. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. On earth, we experience redemption. But then we sin again. And we need Redemption. 
We need mercy. And the Bible tells us his mercies are new every day. But in heaven, we won't be tied down by this sinful flesh. The Bible says we will have new bodies. We will have a new uncorrupted body that is not corrupted by sin. Bodies that can fully taste and see the Lord. No more sin. No more death. No more COVID, no more cancer, no more separation and isolation. There is a day coming when we will be with the Lord and all the saints in heaven. The question at the beginning was, okay, I believe that Christ is risen. Now what? John 21 gives us encouragement that we can do life with Christ. But it gives us encouragement for now and the future. We can do life with him now as we look forward to eternal life with him then. Now we taste of his goodness and we remember who he is. We're refreshed by his presence and we are redeemed by his new mercies every day. But we look forward to a day when we won't need to be reminded because we will be in his presence constantly. That is our hope and our hope will never fail. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, what a good God you are. We thank you for John chapter 21, where Jesus shows the disciples that he is alive and he's still doing miracles. God, you've done so many miracles in our life. Thank you for this praying church. Because of you, we have the power to pray, unprecedented power to enter into your presence and pray and have our prayers answered. God, I pray that you would continue what you've been doing in our lives. Continue to remind us of who you are. Continue to refresh us and continue to redeem us. God, may your people serve you for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.